Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I think Lindsey Graham said it right when he said, every liberal in the country wants to take me out and hates my guts. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination. And you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. The day after Ginsburg's death, Senator Lindsey Graham, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee, tweeted he is, quote, dead set on confirming whoever President Trump nominates for the seat. This comes despite the multiple times he said that if a vacancy opened up in the run-up to the presidential election, he would hold off on confirmation. Really, he is shepherding and heralding one of the biggest issues on the conservative right, which is the federal judiciary. Well, I, I think people in South Carolina are excited about Judge Barrett. One of the tightest Senate races in the country is happening in South Carolina. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is fending off a challenge from Democrat Jamie Harrison. Bottom line is my opponent raised 57 million. Uh, congratulations to him. That's the most anybody's ever raised in the history of the Senate. There hasn't really been a competitive statewide race there in, in a very long time. And I think Jamie Harrison has been able to, not just through the money he's raised, but through the way he's campaigned throughout this, this entire cycle to sort of bring that to the forefront uh, in this campaign. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today, Andrew Desiderio on the South Carolina Senate race and how Lindsey Graham has ended up running for his life. Lindsey Graham is probably one of the most omnipresent figures in American politics. He's been around for a very, very long time, so he rarely gets tripped up when you ask him a certain question. Now, um, as we move forward and deal with law of war issues, Christmas Day bomber. Where are you at on Christmas Day? I, I suppose I should ask exactly what you mean by that. I'm assuming that the question you mean is uh, whether a person who was apprehended in the United States is... No, I just ask you where you're at on Christmas. He is now the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, which is probably one of the most powerful committees in the Senate right now. Good morning, everybody. The hearing to confirm Judge Amy Barrett to the Supreme Court will now begin. Um, he, in 2014, really made a name for himself by pushing back very strongly against the Tea Party, against the conservative right. Well, here we go again. The Senate immigration bill through, and now Tea Partiers are through with him. And boy, did they let Republican South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham know it. Lindsey Graham, no! Hey, hey, ho, ho! Lindsey Graham's got to go! It's a rhino. And we're tired of him being so wishy-washy and sitting on the fence. And touting his bipartisan credentials, his ability to work with Democrats, his moderate views on issues involving immigration and guns, for example. Well, I want to talk to the Trump supporters for a minute. I don't know who you are, and I don't know why you like this guy. I think what you like about him, he appears to be strong when the rest of us are weak. He's a very successful businessman. He's going to make everything great. That's what he's selling. Here's what you're buying. He's a race-baiting, xenophobic, religious bigot. He doesn't represent my party. He doesn't represent the values 
that the men and women who wear the uniform are fighting for. Uh, but six years later, he is now sort of doubling down on a more conservative message. You know why you're going to win? You've been a damn good president. Thank you for 200 conservative judges. Thank you for Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Gorsuch. Getting conservative Thank judges on all levels of the federal judiciary and running as more of a conventional Republican. And I think that's something that Senator Graham is really trying to capitalize on here. And that's something that Republicans in South Carolina in particular are starting to appreciate more about Senator Graham that maybe they hadn't in the past. So Graham was a more moderate Republican, crossing party lines, getting criticized by the right. And he's now leaning further toward the Republican base, praising the president as he's in a really heated race to keep his own seat in the Senate, fighting off Jamie Harrison, a Democratic challenger. Who is Jamie Harrison and what is the state of this race in South Carolina right now? So Jamie Harrison is a 44-year-old associate chairman of the Democratic National Committee. He's the former chairman of the South Carolina Statewide Democratic Party. He used to work on Capitol Hill. Uh, he worked as a lobbyist at one point as well. He is really the best chance for Democrats in decades to take out a longtime entrenched Republican in a red state. The reason why I say that is because the polls are very, very close. Democrat Jamie Harrison is neck and neck with Republican Senator Lindsey Graham in South Carolina. There have been recent ones that show Lindsey Graham slightly up. There have been recent ones that even show Jamie Harrison with a few points advantage over Lindsey Graham. What's the big issue in this race is more of the money. Harrison reported raising a record-breaking $57 million in the last quarter, prompting pleas like this one from the incumbent. There's not enough money to flip this state. I do need to fight back. Jamie Harrison just broke the all-time record for Senate fundraising. So, um, Jamie, when you announced that you were running against Lindsey Graham for the Senate, no one thought you had a chance, you know? Uh, but now, now, the race is just described as a toss-up. He raked in around $57 million, whereas Lindsey Graham raked in just around half of that at $28 million. You have also significantly out-fundraised him all year to the point where Graham went on Fox to beg for donations. Graham has been a senator since 2003. Why do you think after all these years that he's losing favor with South Carolina voters? Well, part of it, Joy, is that Lindsey Graham has gone all Washington, D.C. He cares more about his political relevance and power in Washington than doing the job that the people in South Carolina sent him to do. Harrison can't spend that money fast enough. He is basically blanketing the airwaves, the web, with digital ads, television ads, everything he can do to try to get his message out and increase his name ID. After 25 years in Washington, Lindsey Graham has changed. So it's time for a change. I'm Jamie Harrison, and I approve this message. And a lot of that has largely worked, especially in the more rural parts of the state. Graham has represented South Carolina in the Senate since 2003. How do you think this race has ended up so close? Like, why do you think the tide is turning against him like it hasn't before right now? Folks view Lindsey Graham as sort of the enabler of Donald Trump. They're on a crusade to destroy this man. And they don't care what they destroy in the process of trying to destroy Donald Trump. I do care. 
I'm exposing your hatred of this president to the point that you would destroy the institution. Obviously, Lindsey Graham was someone who was vehemently opposed to Donald Trump in the 2016 primary. He called him a race-baiting, xenophobic, uh, religious bigot. And now he's one of his top allies uh, in Congress. And that is quite the shift. But Lindsey Graham defends himself by saying, look, I want to help the president be a better president and I want to work with him for the benefit of South Carolinians. And in addition to that, liberals are really mad at Lindsey Graham because he was one of the folks who really stood up for Brett Kavanaugh, who was nominated a couple of years ago and confirmed despite those sexual assault allegations against him. What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open and hope you win in 2020. You've said that. Not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. When you see Sotomayor and Kagan, tell them that Lindsey said hello, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. Liberals really view Lindsey Graham as one of their top targets this year for those reasons alone. And Jamie Harrison is trying to take advantage of that. You know, Senator, you said, use my words against me. And you said it after the Kavanaugh meetings, not before the Kavanaugh hearings, after the Kavanaugh hearings. By really painting Lindsey Graham as two-faced, as a liar, as a hypocrite. You know, my grandfather always taught me, he said, Jamie, a man is only as good as his word. Well, Senator, how good is your word when you made a promise to the American people? And even more, you made a promise to the folks in South Carolina that you wouldn't be doing what you're doing right now. Uh, and someone who's just been around too long and is no longer working for South Carolina. If Graham were to lose, if Harris were to win, what would it mean for the Republican Party and for the Senate? I don't really think it says much about the future of the Republican Party if Lindsey Graham loses. I think it says more about Democrats and their power in the South, which has historically been a Republican stronghold. It's really been a firewall, actually, for Republicans, especially in these statewide races in reliably red states like South Carolina, for example, and Georgia and others that might be in play this year that historically were not. And it would also be very symbolic for Jamie Harrison to win as well, in that we would have for the first time in American history, both sitting senators for a given state being African-American. That has never happened before in our history. In fact, there have only been 10 black senators total in American history. So that would be a huge milestone for the party at large and for the country. Andrew Desiderio. Thanks so much for talking with me. Thanks for having me. Also today, the federal government's independent watchdog says it'll investigate whether White House officials improperly interfered with the CDC and FDA's coronavirus response. Earlier this month, Democrats demanded the investigation, citing reporting from several outlets detailing how Trump administration appointees tried to push scientific agencies to downplay the pandemic, including a Politico report that administration officials tried to interfere with CDC reports to align with the president's optimistic messaging. In a Government Accountability Office letter released by Senator Elizabeth Warren on Monday, the watchdog says it will, quote, review whether the CDC and FDA's scientific integrity and communications policies have been violated and whether those policies are being implemented as intended to assure scientific integrity. And... 
President Trump is making a new line of attacks against Joe Biden for trusting the advice of medical experts. On Monday, Trump ridiculed the former vice president for saying he would heed the advice of scientific experts to combat the coronavirus pandemic, even if it required hampering some economic activity. He criticized Biden during a campaign event in Arizona for wanting to, quote, lock it down, adding, quote, he wants to listen to Dr. Fauci, a line that Biden's Twitter account responded to by simply saying, yes. Subscribe to Politico Dispatch wherever you get your podcasts. And to stay up on all the latest on the election and the coronavirus pandemic, sign up for the Politico Nightly Newsletter at politico.com slash newsletters. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening. The way to bring this country to its knees is to choke off our supply. Imagine for a second our globe as a series of supply chains. Food, everyday goods, and raw materials zooming across the world in a single day. But what if those global supply chains suddenly ground to a halt? It's not just about finding which vaccines work. It's about preparing the manufacturing and supply chains for those. And if one little detail in those supply chains goes wrong, we might not be getting vaccines to people when they desperately need them. The global pandemic showed us what it's like when we can't get the things we need. Masks, personal protective equipment, even toilet paper. There's simply not enough raw materials. We have to figure out how to get this right. There is a bigger story behind the scarcity. We need to fight back against China. A bigger picture with implications for our future. That's going to be a major challenge. On this season of Global Translations, where has globalization fallen short? And where do we go from here? The 90s called and their economics is not what we need now. I'm Louisa Savage. I've spent my career thinking about the global forces that shape our world. Join me and other journalists from Politico. A new season of Global Translations coming October 21st. Presented by City, a leading global bank. <laughs>